You know, as we think about this, think about Facebook for a minute. How has Facebook changed our society? How have social media in general changed our society? Things like Pinterest or Instagram or all these others that I don't even know about because I'm either too old or too redneck to figure them out. But we've got all these social media things going on. And they've changed completely the way we communicate. They've changed the feel of community for us. They've changed our interaction, our interpersonal communication. You know, and, and Facebook in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Instagram, those things, they're good things. But they're simply communication tools. And they're completely dependent upon the people who are using them and how we go about using them. And when you stop to think about how that has affected our society and how that's affected the way we communicate, you have to ask this question, how are we using it? When we're on Facebook, do we choose to be real? Do we choose to have relationships where there's truth spoken into the relationship? Do we let people see the real us in those settings? Or do we wear the mask? Do we kind of put out the image that we want other people to see of us? Is it more like the photoshopped version of our life? You know, it's, it's kind of like when you go and you get a family picture taken and somebody comes back and they, they touch it up and they get rid of all the little blemishes and they make you look really good and even if your hair was crazy that day, they, they fix it. I mean, I have that problem all the time. But you, you put this version of yourself on Facebook and you put this image out there. You put comments out there. You put all these things about you. But do people see the real you? Do they see the good, the bad, and the ugly? Do they know you? Do they really know anything about you in those settings? You know, it's, it's kind of like church. How many times in church are we really true to who we are as we come into church on Sunday mornings? In fact, I, I need two volunteers this morning. Two raised hands, two volunteers. It'll be real quick. Mary Beth, come on. Gracie. Sorry, Gracie. I knew you'd enjoy that. Come on. Now, Ed used this last week, and I'm just going to steal it again because it was such a great illustration, but we're going to do it a little different. We're going to adapt it this morning. I want the two of you to face each other and just shake hands. And as you do, this is a normal church greeting. Hey, how are you, right? Shake hands. How are you? We do this every Sunday morning, don't we? You walk into church, and a greeter meets you at the door, or an usher, and you shake hands. How are you, right? Now, put these on. Your right hand. Now, try again. Let's shake hands. Hey, how are you? Try it again. It's supposed to stick better than that. Let's make sure they work. Now, what would it look like? Thank you. What would it look like on Sunday mornings? You guys can have a seat. Thank you very much. What would it look like on Sunday mornings if when we came in and did that standard, traditional, hey, how are you kind of greeting, if we actually meant it? If it wasn't just that greeting that we use where you really don't care how they are, it's just what you say. It's the same as saying hello to us anymore. It's kind of like walking up to somebody and saying, what's up? Well, you don't look up to see what's up. It's just a statement we make. It's like, hello. And we say that all the time. But what if we took a moment to really care about that, to go, how are you? How are things really going in your life? What's going well? What's not going well? What if we were vulnerable enough to tell somebody how things are? Because, I mean, I'm sure some of you are like me, where there's Sundays where you come in and life is crazy, and you're yelling at your kids for an hour just to get here, and you come jumping out of your car and you've had a fight with your spouse or a fight with your kids or you're stressed out over stuff at work or you're thinking about somebody that you care about that's sick or you're going through issues in your marriage or whatever it may be, and you step out of your car and you go to walk in the door of the church and you put on that smiley face and you walk in, hey, how are you? Great. Things are good. Uh, really? Are they? But see, that's the image that we put out so many times, isn't it? 
It's the image that we put in front of people. How are you? Good. Ed started us off on this series last week talking about sticky church and specifically talking about community and what it looks like to live in community. And we talked about a lot of the one another's and how do we, how do, we do things for one another and serve one another and do life together. And he ended with this great application about how do we bear one another's burdens. And you probably remember if you were here, but you got an opportunity to come up and write on a sticky note, just fit so well with our theme, and you got to write what your burden was. And if you wanted even to put your name and contact information so somebody could call you. And I saw God work through that in some powerful ways. In fact, I wanted to share a story with you of one of the things that happened. I had a friend of mine that called me just a half hour after second service last week. I was on my way home, and he calls me up, and he's like, I've got to tell you about the whole illustration this morning. He said, you know, we did the sticky note thing, and, and I came forward, and I wrote my burden, and I left it, and, and I went back to my seat, and I didn't pick one up. And at the end of second service, Ed comes back because there's still some sticky notes laying across the stage with burdens listed on them. He says, you know, come back and pick up a sticky note and take it and pray for that person. Connect with them this week if you can, but, but take that burden and bear that for them. And so my friend comes back up, and he said, I started to grab the one right there closest to me, and I just felt like that wasn't the one I was supposed to get. And so he walks across to the middle of the stage and reaches way out across the stage and picks one up that's near the back that he can barely reach, didn't really look at it, just folds it over, sticks it in his pocket, and leaves. And he got to Walmart a little bit later and was doing his Sunday afternoon shopping, and he pulls a sticky note out of his pocket, and he opens it up, and he says, I just started crying in the middle of Walmart. Because he opened the sticky note, and the sticky note was from a church family member who was struggling with a form of addiction. And the details aren't important of what the addiction is or what's going on, but here's what's cool. My friend who picked up that sticky note struggles with addiction too. And has struggled for a long time. He's been clean for about a year and a half, but that's still his burden. That's still his struggle that he carries. And he goes, there's no question in my mind that God led me to pick up that other sticky note because that was the person that I needed to bear their burden with them because I knew what they were going through. I knew what they were feeling. I knew what it was like. And he was just standing in Walmart crying because of how cool God is. And his last statement to me was, that's how awesome my God is, that he led me to that sticky note, and I picked it up, and I can connect with that person this week, and we can understand each other because we're walking through the same burden. See, I think that's what Christian community looks like. That's what family looks like. And when we, when we sometimes question, does God understand what I'm going through? Does he care about my burdens? Does he care about the things that are important to me? That's proof in the pudding that he does. Maybe that doesn't happen to everybody every time, but I just thought that was such a cool illustration of how God works. And so today, as we dig into this series and continue, I want us to look a little deeper at this idea of how do we bear one another's burdens? What does that look like? I mean, how do we do that? And I think the only way we can do it is through the context of authentic spiritual relationship. And we're going to talk about this quite a bit today, so I want to define this. Just This is in Brian's words. Authentic spiritual relationship. What does that mean? What does that look like so you understand Authentic spiritual relationship is centered around God, centered around his plans and his desires for our life, not our own things, not just the things that we want, but what God wants for us, the way he's created us. It's also a relationship that goes beyond the surface, not just talking about your favorite football team, not just talking about the hobby that you're into, but really looking beyond that. What is going on in life? Where am I in life? And then the third thing that I'd say is it's a relationship where there's permission to speak into one another's lives. It's you having permission to speak into my life and me having permission to speak into your life, sharing truth, having trust with one another, having transparency in the relationship, being vulnerable to be able to speak into that to where there's true accountability, true encouragement, true relationship going on. And I think it's within this context that we can begin to understand how we bear one another's burdens and what that looks like. 
You know, the writer of Proverbs writes about this, King Solomon, who was known as one of the wisest men to ever walk the face of the earth. And in Proverbs 27, starting in verse 5, he says this, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Think about that for a minute. There's a lot of enemies out there, if you want to use that term, people who don't really care about you, who will butter you up and make you feel good and say all the right things to you. But it's a true friend who will speak the truth and love in your life, who will be willing to address something that needs to be addressed in your life, who will be willing to point out something, but will do it in a manner full of grace. It's the truth, but it's done in love. It's done in a way that you know that they care about you. I'm talking about the kind of friend who can come up and put their arm around you and punch you in the stomach at the same time, and you go, I hate that, but I needed it, and I know I needed it because it's where I am in life. And they can address things to where you don't like it because it hurts. It messes with your ego. It messes with your image. It breaks down your pride. But yet you know it's the things you, want, you need to hear. And even though we tend to be defensive and fight back against those things, we need to hear those things. I don't know about you, but I've had that experience a lot of times where people have spoken into my life. Over the last couple years, especially, my small group, the friends that I have in that relationship, those authentic spiritual relationships, they have spoken into my marriage I don't know how many times. And specifically in one area. Now, for some of you that don't know me well, this may be surprising to you, but for some of you, you're going to laugh because you know this is just who I am. But I have this tendency that I can be kind of a bull in a china shop at times. I have this strong personality. I'm, I'm pretty assertive. I, I'm the kind of guy that if something needs to be done, I'm going to get in and get it done, and I don't care who I kill in the process, we're going to get through it, and we're going to make it, and it's going to be done, and it's going to be fixed. And unfortunately, I approach my marriage that way sometimes. Things pop up, and there's, I see a problem, and I go, well, we've got to fix this. And so I'm, I'm the kind of guy, let's get it out on the table, let's fight it through, we'll be done. When the argument's over, it's all said and done, no harm, no foul, I walk away, everything's good, for the most part. Here's the problem. My wife is not wired like I am. My wife doesn't like conflict. My wife is not the kind to throw it out on the table and fight over it and get over it. And when, it's, when the argument's over, there's harm done because she's been hurt in the process, because that's not how she's wired. She's not the abrasive personality that way. I mean, I've got to really push her buttons to get her to argue with me. And so these are things that my small group began to point out in our marriage and point out in our relationship and help me to see a different perspective, help me to understand how Sherry felt in some of those encounters. And I mean, we've been married 13 years, and it's taken me this long to start to understand how she feels. And I still don't think I have a great grasp of that, but I've learned that I have to be a little more sensitive in the way I approach things. I have to think about things before I say them. I can't just go in and, and take an axe to cut out a splinter because it doesn't work with Sherry. She needs to feel safe in our relationship. I mean, we came to a point where finally she admitted to me at one point that she had physically felt afraid at times when we've had arguments. Not because I was verbally abusive to her, not because I was physically abusive or that she thought I would do anything, but because my personality is so strong and so assertive and she is not, it just went against everything she knows and understands. And for me, that was the eye-opening moment where I went, I can't do marriage like this anymore. My wife can't feel intimidated by me. She can't feel afraid of me. We've got to learn how to communicate different. And that came back to me. Because I'm that bowl in the china shop kind of personality who's going to charge through. And I had to realize that it's time to step back and ask questions differently and look at things differently and create that safe haven where she felt comfortable to talk to me and to share things with me and to be able to address things. 
We have addressed more conflict in the last two years of our marriage than we have in the first 11. And our marriage is healthier than it's ever been because we've actually addressed things and dealt with it and worked through it and processed it. But if we hadn't had those people around us in authentic spiritual relationship, if we hadn't had those friends speaking into our lives and telling me the things that I didn't want to hear and the things that I was defensive about and the things that I fought back about, if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't have this understanding with my wife. These are critical for us to do life together. I love where he goes just a few verses later in the same chapter in in verses 9 and 10. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. It's good to have friends who can speak into your life. And here's why this verse stood out to me. You've got to understand, I've got a great family. I'm still really connected with my family of origin. I mean, my parents and I are close. I'm close with aunts and uncles. I've got a lot of great family. But my family's not who I do day-to-day life with. It's these friends. It's the people I'm in authentic spiritual relationship with. It's my small group. They're the ones who are intimately involved in my life and intimately involved in my relationships and know me inside and outside. They're the ones that I'm so close to. And we have to value those relationships just as high as we value family, just like blood. You can't get away from it. You don't walk away from it. This is a picture of family. This is how we do life together. Those relationships are that important. And then just a few verses later, he says this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, you've probably heard this scripture a ton of times. People use this all the time to talk about, this is accountability, this is relationship. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And every time I hear it presented, I hear it presented in this way that's like a couple teenage girls texting back and forth about, my BFFs did this, and they said this, and, you know, and this is my great friend, and, and so we're so good for each other. But that's not the picture I get when I read this. As iron sharpens iron, the picture that comes to my mind is like a grinder wheel and sparks flying and red-hot molten metal and a hammer pounding on it and forming it into what it needs to be. As iron sharpens iron, it's not warm and fuzzy and friendly. It hurts. It's not pretty. It's messy. But that's what authentic spiritual relationship is like. It's messy. It's people doing life with you in the good times and in the bad times. It's people encouraging you when you need encouragement. It's people kicking you in the tail when you need that. Ed talked about that last week with this fancy little Greek word about you can pat them on the back or kick them in the rear. And it's having those kinds of friends in your life who will do that for you, who will speak into your life in that way. As iron sharpens iron, you see, growth hurts. Most of the time, growth hurts. But it's necessary, and I think at our core, all of us would say we want to grow. I mean, think about it. Don't you want to be all that God's created you to be? Not just who you want to be, not just the things that you think about, not just your dreams, but don't you want to be all that God has created you to be? Everything that he's made you for. If we want that, that requires outside perspective. It requires growth on our, on our part, and they don't call it growing pains for no reason. Growth hurts. It's difficult. And so I ask you this question. Who is iron in your life? Who's speaking into your life in that kind of way where you know they love you, 
you know they have your best interest at heart. They know you, you know they want what's best for you. But there's moments where they speak into your life the sparks fly. And you feel like you're getting beat on with a hammer. And you feel like you're being put through the ringer because they love you enough to not let you keep doing life the way you've been doing it. And they love you enough to speak into your life and to give you perspective on who you are and who God's created you to be and what you could be, to show you your potential. See, I think God often chooses to speak through others. He uses other people to speak into our lives. That's the picture of Christian community. That's what authentic spiritual relationship is about, is God speaking into our lives, sharing with us through others. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can grow. We can grow through worship. It's that personal, intimate connection with God. And that's great. That's important. We need to grow in that way. We can grow through study. We need to be studying his love letter that he gave us, his word. We need to be spending time praying and and investing in the relationship. Those are ways that we can grow. But what I find unfortunate, and this is just life as we know it because sin is in the world, most of us grow the most in times of tragedy, in times of trial, in times of burden. When things get rough, when things aren't going the way we think they should be going, those are the moments where we suddenly realize how dependent we are upon God. And we cling to him a little tighter and we depend on him a little more. And we're desperately in need of those friends who will come alongside and walk with us and do life with us. Who will encourage us, who will hold our hand, who will stand there and cry in a tragic moment. And it seems to be those moments when life goes wrong where we grow the most. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. I love that. He's the source of all comfort no matter what we're going through. But listen to what it says next. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Did you hear that? He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. In the midst of tragedy, you never stop to think about this. But have you ever looked back on your life and thought about, maybe God brought me through some of these things, through some of these trials, through some of these burdens, through some of these things that seem to be tragedies in my life, so that I could be a source of comfort to someone else who's going through a similar thing. I don't want to make it sound like God's the puppeteer and, and playing with us on a string and putting us through all these trials for no reason, but... But what if he's using those things in our life so that we can be a source of comfort to others, so that we can minister that to others? You know, I look back across my life and I remember several times that this has happened for me. But there's one in particular that stands out. And I just wanted to share this story with you this morning. January 2nd of 2004, my oldest daughter, Alyssa, was 17 months old at the time. And she fell off of a couch at my brother-in-law's house and she hit her head on a tile floor. And when she did, we didn't realize it at the time, but we later understood that she actually hit, there was a wooden ring toss toy that was laying on a side on the floor, and she hit her head on that. And to, to make a really, really long story short, basically we, we rushed her to the pediatrician to get checked out because she just wasn't acting right. We knew something was wrong. From the pediatrician's office, we went to Winter Haven Hospital. We were living over in Eagle Lake at the time, and so they sent us to Winter Haven Hospital to spend the night to have a CT scan done just to check things out, make sure everything was good, and she was going to spend the night for observation. Shortly after the CT scan, 
the, the nurse comes running in the room and can hardly even understand the nurse, and we hear about all children's and a helicopter and something, and we still don't even know what's wrong. And the helicopter pilots show up, and they whisk her away and airlift her to, to all children's in St. Pete. And, and so we're driving as fast as we can to get to St. Petersburg, to all children's hospital, still really not knowing exactly what's wrong. And it basically came down to when she got there, she was going into surgery immediately. She had an active bleed and a blood clot on the lining of her brain from where she had hit that toy so hard on the side of her head. And there are a lot of things that night that I remember that I wish I could forget because that's never a good experience when you walk through something like that with your kid. But the thing that stands out to me that I'll never, ever forget was when we showed up at All Children's Hospital in St. Pete there were already a couple of our family members sitting in the waiting room waiting for us to get there. We had gone home to pack clothes because so we, we knew we were going to be there all night at least. And, and so we're rushing to get there. We know she's in surgery before we even get there. And we show up and there's family sitting in the waiting room. And within an hour, there's friends who have come to the waiting room. And this is at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, this is the middle of the night. People have driven an hour and a half to come to St. Petersburg to sit with us. And as we talk to the nurse who comes out, they're still in surgery. She begins to tell us what's going on and explain the issue. And we realize that really there's two paths that can happen. The first path is the surgery will not be successful and we'll lose our daughter. It's that serious. And the second path is that, that the surgery will be successful and that she hopefully will recover, but there will be a lot of questions to ask. You know, has there been any extensive damage? What will that look like? What will it mean from this point forward? This is our only daughter. And what I remember from that night is those friends and that fa those family who were sitting with us in the waiting room, some of them knew better than what we knew the seriousness of the situation. They understood what was going on. They had already looked online and read information, and they, they knew a lot more than we did that they weren't telling us. But they sat with us and provided, provided comfort that night in a night that we needed it most, in a night that we needed somebody to just be there to hold our hand and to let us know we're here with you no matter what. No matter what the fate, no matter what the outcome, we're here, we're walking with you. That stood out to me huge. See, friends can bring comfort. In the same verse, that word that says comfort, it literally means to call to one side. To call to one side. That same word is used ten times in the first seven verses of this chapter. To call to one side, for someone to come alongside and be comfort. It's also used in the book of John in chapter 14, verse 16. And this is Jesus talking. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, who we talk about the Holy Spirit here. I will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That word advocate is the same word that's used for comfort. It's the comforter that he will give to us. In the Greek, it's the paraclete, our comforter. And in that night, in those moments, sitting in the waiting room and throughout our stay at All Children's Hospital, those family, those friends who sat with us, who walked with us on that journey, they were God to us. They were comfort in a time that we needed comfort desperately. And I look back at that night and thank God he saved my daughter's life. And he spared us. And there was great results that came out of that. And Alyssa's still here with us today. And, and she's a wonderful child. She just entered middle school I mean, things are going wonderfully. But in that moment, where it could have gone either way, those people were comfort in our lives. They were literally the hands and feet of Jesus. They were doing life with us. And we needed that. We needed those people to give comfort. 
You know, the second thing that I observe when I look back at that story is that I realize how God used that in my life to prepare me to have that privilege to be able to sit with others going through similar things. As a pastor, that's one of the privileges I get is to be able to sit with families in moments of tragedy, in moments of trial. The same as you have that privilege to do that with your friends. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of times that I'm sitting with people that are going through tragedy or going through a a burden kind of moment where the results aren't so great. Where they don't get the same blessing at the end of the story. And the thing is, regardless of the outcome, we're called to be there, to walk alongside, to provide comfort, to bear that burden with them. That's authentic spiritual relationship. Getting into the messiness of life. Sitting with a family when... You don't have a good answer. You can't explain it. You can't tell them why it's happening. You don't know. You don't understand. I wish I knew what God was doing in this moment, but this is one of those moments where I just have to trust that he knows what's best. And I have to trust that he's taking care of me, even when it doesn't make sense. That's bearing one another's burdens. That's doing life together. That is authentic spiritual relationship. And I look back at that story and I realize that God used that moment in my life to give me perspective, to help me to be able to understand what people may be going through. And I don't begin to feel what somebody else goes through. None of us can. Because it never feels the same unless you're the person in the situation, unless you're the one walking through it. But to have those kinds of friends where you can sit with them and you can feel the same pain that they're feeling and walk with them on that journey. That's bearing one another's burdens. So the question I would ask you this morning is this. How can God help someone else through you? How can you be comfort to someone else? How can you be his hands and feet? How can you bear one another's burdens? Think back on your life. What is something that you have come through, something that God's brought you through that you could use to encourage someone else? How could you do that? And I'm going to encourage you this morning. We're going to use the sticky notes again. I'll spread them out here on the stage in just a moment. They're all here in a basket right now. But, but I'm going to ask you to do something different this week. Last week we asked you to come and to write down your burdens. This week I want you to think about it from a different perspective. What is a burden that God has brought you through What is something that he has surrounded you with people who have walked with you to where you can look back and you go, I know what that feels like, and I can encourage someone else who's walking through that same thing now in life. And I want you to write down that burden that you've been brought through on that sticky note. And then write a note of encouragement, just a simple sentence or a few words or whatever it may be on that sticky note, some way that you can encourage someone else who's going through a similar experience. And what we're going to do, we're going to try to take the sticky notes from this week and we're going to put them on a board or something and try to get them posted here in the auditorium or in the lobby for next week and the next couple weeks to where you can combine, you can read those things. And if you're going through one of those burdens, it'll give you an opportunity to read someone else's thoughts that has been through something similar and the encouraging words that they can share. But I'd also like to encourage you to take it one step further. If you're comfortable, put your contact information on your connection card. Don't put it on your sticky note because this is going to be posted for everybody. We want to protect your privacy, but, but put your contact information on your connection card if you're willing and write the burden that God's brought you through. Because what we'd like to do this week is if there's someone going through a similar burden who is seeking help, 
We want to connect them with you to where you can speak into their life. We talk about family here all the time, and this is a picture of being family. And it's hard to do that on a Sunday morning. That's why small groups are so important. But this is a simple way that we can help to connect some of those dots and do that. And the second thing I would say to you is this. Some of you are carrying a heavy burden today. As you come into church, you're one of those people we talked about at the beginning who comes in and says, hey, how are you? Great, everything's good. But it's not really. Because you're carrying something in life that's too heavy for you to bear right now. And you need somebody to walk with you, to be comfort to you, to do that authentic spiritual relationship. And I would encourage you this morning, there's going to be some people up front in either of the corners, and I'm going to encourage you to come and pray with somebody. But I would also encourage you to write on your connection card as well. What is that burden that you're walking through? As simple as you can put it. And put contact information for yourself as well so that we can partner you with someone who's been through something similar, who can walk with, that, walk with you through that experience. So whether you've been through a burden and you can encourage someone else or you're walking through one today and you need somebody to walk with you, we want to connect those dots. Don't leave here this morning without connecting in one of those ways. We started out the day talking about small group and how important that is. And you just need to understand, at TBA, small group is where this happens. It's where these relationships happen. Sure, there's other ways that you can get community. You can serve on a team and and you partner with other people and you get to know others and you have friends outside of that. I understand that. But a TBA, small groups, is how that happens. It's how you build those relationships. It's how you start to build those bonds and have people walk alongside you who will bring comfort and bear your burdens with you and encourage you in those great times. Don't leave this morning without signing up for a small group. You can fill out your connection card. You can look through the small group catalog, see what fits for you. Our small groups this first semester, we're asking all of our small groups, encouraging them to go through a thing called Starting Point. It's Andy Stanley's curriculum. This is a great curriculum. It's very simple. It helps you to understand God's story from Genesis all the way to Revelation and how your story fits into his story. But the beautiful thing that it does within our groups is it helps you to be able to tell your own story, to be able to share with others the things that you're walking through and what you have walked through, and it helps to create that connection and build that relationship and build the trust and create that that vulnerability, that atmosphere of vulnerability so that you can relate to one another. There's a $15 fee for this. You'll see that with all the instructions in your, your small group catalog, but don't let that stop you. This is a critical investment. That's lunch at McDonald's for a couple people. I mean, think about it. Put it in perspective. You can have lunch at McDonald's for two people or you can go through something where it'll build relationship that will last you a lifetime that will change how you look at life. It's that important. So the band's coming up and they're going to lead us in a song and I'm just going to encourage you to respond in some way. Either come and grab a sticky note and write a burden that you've gone through and try to encourage someone Come and ask somebody to pray with you. Put your information on a connection card so we can help to connect you. Sign up for a small group. At TBA, we use the term family all the time. Family is important. This is what family looks like. It's doing life together. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's our scars. It's our open wounds. It's all of it. Taking people at face value, accepting them as they are, and walking with them and doing life together. Would you stand and let's pray. And then as the band sings, you respond. God, thank you for this morning and the opportunity that that we have just simply to be comforted by you. God, I know that, that many times we carry heavy burdens and we carry things that are hard on us and we go through tragedy and trials in life. And because of sin in the world, we're, we're never going to be immune from those things. But I also know that you provide amazing comfort 
And even in the hardest trials and in the hardest times in our life, when we think that we can't be comforted, you offer comfort that goes beyond our understanding, and you so often do it through others. And so I pray that this morning as we respond, that we would trust in that, that we would begin to build these authentic spiritual relationships, that we would begin to understand the importance the small group plays within our life, that we would understand the importance of of these friends, that we would be willing to step out of our comfort zone and be vulnerable and be transparent and be truthful and to allow others to speak into our lives and to take that opportunity to encourage others as well. God, this is your day, and we commit this time to you. I pray that you would work within our hearts. Don't allow us to leave here today without spending time with you if there's something in our heart that we need to address. We love you. Amen.